0: Before I get started on today's Morecast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake & Wazee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coorsfield, right in the middle of the dairy block. Um, right now, Blanchard has a 20% off uh, kind of deal till the end of the year, only till the end of 2020, which is not long. I mean, today's the 30th, so you got one day, folks. Uh, go in and pick yourself up some wine, uh, pick yourself up. The 2017 Cabernet, which is what I recommend, but they also have other great wines. Pinot, obviously, because their grapes come from California in Sonoma County. Um, They also have partnerships with Western Slope wineries, um, like Restoration and Storm Cellars. They specialize in Rieslings out there on the Western Slope. If that is your thing, definitely do that, but they definitely have Reds, too. Uh, Support your local business. Money that goes directly into Colorado and Denver. all of these businesses really need your help right now. And go get yourself a bottle. Go to bfwdenver.com. Either get yourself a bottle, check out what they have, or go to and look at their virtual wine tastings, which are really good, really popular. Um, just check them out. Um, they are uh, probably the most popular thing on their website right now. It's a great experience. Um, but it's really just a local business, and it's a local business that, like all these other businesses, are struggling to survive here in this atmosphere during a pandemic. Go in and check them out, or excuse me, go in, but go to bayofwdenver.com to check them out. Uh, Get yourself a bottle. Um, Obviously, it's the winter, so outdoor dining is kind of not really an option. Uh, obviously things are kind of messed up right now, so go go to bfwdenver.com and get yourself a bottle or do some other things. Uh, um, get yourself a virtual wine tasting too. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Once again they're located between eighteenth and nineteenth in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coursefield, right in the middle of the dairy block. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from T C S G Podcast sent you there. What is up, everybody? Think y'all are joining me on the latest broadcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, folks, I wasn't going to podcast today. In fact, I was going to, like, maybe have yesterday's podcast be the last podcast of the year. Um, and that changed when the Nuggets lost to Sacramento last night in a kind of a predictable loss, I'm going to say. Um, it was not only a scheduled loss. It was uh, they were missing Jamal Murray. Second like nine of a back to back circumstances were against them, plus the nuggets haven 't figured out their rotations, and it's hindering a lot of what they want to do um, and I know a lot of my podcasts least lately at least have been centered around Michael Porter jr, but the online discourse about m p j has just infuriated me because it is denying what we all have acknowledged readily since Jeremy Grant left. And I think there's that denialism is kind of contributing to this odd anxiety about Michael Porter Jr. Um, last night's a good example. Horrifically bad defense in the in the second quarter. Just just awful. Awful defense from Michael Porter Jr. Really bad. I I There's no way to sugarcoat it. The guy was just a borderline incompetent in that second quarter. Um, It led to the Nuggets being down by 12 points going into halftime. On the flip side of that, Michael Porter Jr. went thermonuclear on offense in the third quarter and almost single-handedly, let's be honest with you, pulled the Nuggets back to leading that game going into the fourth. And then the Nuggets ran out of steam because uh, Malone had to play Porter and Jokic uh, a lot more minutes on the second night of a back-to-back than he wanted to, right? A lot of that has to do with the second unit, but that's a subject for another day. Um, And I have come to the conclusion that we have so overthought the Michael Porter Jr. experience that we can't even enjoy it, and it's really frustrating. It is really, really frustrating. Some of it is people listen far too much to the coach. And I tell I t- I had the same mantra when George Carl was here. Don't go to a, and listen to a coach's press conference and listen to what they have to say. The people you need to listen to are the players. And when it comes to this, they will tell you what it needs to be done. And that's just the 100% fact, nothing against Malone. It's just, uh, he can control rotations and do all that stuff, but re- in reality, who's going to make it work is the players. And the problem with the MPJ thing is that a collision of circumstances have thrown him into a a, a, a a situation to where he needs to get playing time, regardless of how bad he's been on defense. And I think when we look at this, we all know, knew this would happen. We knew these growing pains would happen. We knew that it was going to be clunky. We knew all of this, and and we told all of you know each other uh, through the media, through social media, all this stuff. We we everyone said this coming into the year, and we forgot it four games in, and it's frustrating. I don't know what Michael Porter Jr. is going to turn into. I have no idea. I, it sounds to me like I'm I'm. Sounds to people like I'm fanboying over him, and that's not the case. I am aware of the reality of the situation which the Nuggets told us in the aftermath of Jeremy Grant leaving. Yes, this is a weird year, but when Tim Connolly said, it's no secret that we're counting on Michael Porter Jr. to take that leap, that was told you exactly what this year was going to be like, period. And... It's going to be clunky. But it's as I said in the last podcast, it's up to Nikola Jokic to make it work. Because he's the best player. And that's just the way it is. It's not up to Malone. It's up to Jokic. Now, the interesting thing about the third quarter last night was that Porter... The thing about Porter is he's extremely efficient... Regardless. He's an efficient player who can score a bunch. Those are those two things are extremely rare. A lot of scorers, quote unquote, are not efficient. They're volume shooters. Um, think Jamal Crawford. Uh, he's a scorer, right? Um, even Kevin Durant is not what you would call efficient, right? Um, Durant gets up a lot of shots, right? Porter is more in the mold of a Durant. Uh, in that kind of way, people forget Kevin Durant was borderline incompetent on defense for I would say the first five six years of his career. Right? Uh, they the the Thunder really did a lot of things to hide Kevin Durant. Um, he was big enough to cover things with his wingspan, but I'll be well. Let's be honest with you. There's a reason they brought in Kendrick Perkins in uh, the year they went to the finals. Um, there, are, there are reasons certain things happened. Because Durant took a long time to become a better defensive player. He's not a world beater, but he, it, it took him time. The anxieties over Porter are, I think, misplaced because we all knew this was going to happen and we all knew these deficiencies. And I think the, the collective, and, and I'm, a, look, I'm not absolving myself from this. I'm not lecturing everyone. I, this is just in general. You get caught up in the season and you forget what you knew coming in. And I think the Nuggets management knew this was going to be rough. Circumstances forced them into, do, bake. Look at, look at it this way. If Jeremy Grant was here, if they were able to sign Jeremy Grant, um uh, it would look a little different right now, right? Hell, even Malone probably would be starting Jeremy Grant over Michael Porter Jr, right? Um, the reality of the situation is it 's not that Jeremy Grant was so good it 's the fact that this is they have they 're having to microwave Michael Porter junior 's development. What I wanted coming into the year was a commitment to give Michael Porter Jr. consistent minutes. And that's something he did not get at all last year, and which was probably to his detriment, right? We're not acknowledging the elephant in the room, people. And it's that the wildly inconsistent minutes that Michael Porter Jr. got last year did nothing to help him when he got to the playoffs, and the reality of the situation is the Nuggets right now are in a position where they have no choice. Let me repeat that. They have no choice. Jeremy Grant left. It's not about Mason Plumley. It's about Jeremy Grant leaving. So... You hear rumors and all this stuff, but trades and stuff like that. Let me tell you something, folks. If Michael Porter Jr. doesn't play, right, if you're talking about trades, Michael Porter Jr. doesn't play his value tanks. If, uh, because right now, people, all the people are going to look at, and this includes NBA scouts, all the people are going to look at is the fact that he scored 30 points, On 12 of 18 shooting, right. First of all, that percentage is insane, absolutely insane, to get 30 points on that efficient in shooting, right? And I think he hit four three pointers. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It was, it was, it was. We don't have a player on the roster who can score like that. But he was a sieve defensively. And that was just 100% the case. And I said this the last podcast, but if this is absolutely true and holds true right now. If this was 2016, no one would give a shit. But it's 2020 going into 2021. And we have an expectation of playoffs. You just came off the Western Conference Finals. And the expectations are high. But we, in, like, as we (laughs) look, we knew coming in that Malone specifically was going to have trouble with this. Which is why he needed to suck it up and just start him. One of my big problems with uh, him toying with starting Will Barton was that there was no guarantee Uh, Porter would get any substantive minutes with Nikola Jokic because of the way Malone does his bench slash starter lineup and that was one of the things that was hindering Michael Porter Jr. There is a reality of the situation and then Nikola Jokic, as I said in the last podcast, is completely unique and getting used to playing with him is a process that takes a while, right? This isn't like doing spread, pick, and roll, uh, isolate with your traditional offensives. This is a big man who directs traffic, who wants you to cut. It is very much, I mean, folks, you don't want to hear this, but this is very much like uh, the Shaquille O'Neal uh, Lakers or, the, uh, or the, any of the, and the teams that ran Triangle. Right, this is very much a very an inverted, and I, I would call it an inverted triangle offense that the Nuggets run through Jokic, and it is harder to get used to that. And one of the problems that Porter has had integrating with Jokic is that you can, and, I, and this was said by um, Matt Moore on the Lockdown podcast today, is that. You could tell that Porter is just frustrated standing over there. He's frustrated. Um, And because it is relegating his skills to uh, largely a third option or fourth, even sometimes a fourth option because Gary Harris cuts a lot. But this was always going to be the case. I, I mean, I think... Our collective amnesia drives me nuts. And that's why, that's why I had to do the podcast today. It's frustrating. It's, frust- it's frustrating to watch a, an entire social media slash Nuggets fandom forget. And forget that the likelihood of the Nuggets taking a step back this year increased exponentially. When Jeremy Grant left. But that was going to be okay. And I think once people get used to the idea, once people understand that this is, unfortunately, but reality, this the first part of this year is going to be almost entirely about development, Lord willing that we we'll are be able to finish the year and no COVID outbreaks happen to the Nuggets. Um, it It's likely that this is going to be something that is a process and it's going to be painful. But that... Reality sets in. And here's another reason. And I I don't want people to um, take this as I'm dumping on, like, the market of Denver. Okay, this is just, there's realities here. The Nuggets encountered two stark realities. The season before, uh, 2019 offseason, where they uh, were unsuccessful in luring free agents to Denver. Uh, And... This offseason, where Jeremy Grant left for the same money to Detroit, okay, um, a, 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 a stark reality is that your avenues for improvement are 70 80% internal and 20% trade. And the Nuggets were left with no choice. What you got to do is hope that Michael Porter Jr. gets to the point where he is not a huge minus on defense. That's all that you got to hope. And generally, players get more competent on defense. Defense is, is. People hate hearing this, but it's 100% accurate. You spend more energy on defense than you do offense, right? And if you are a scorer, you tend to think of that way. And. It is true that good defenders. There's very few two-way great two-way players. Okay, uh, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, even LeBron. I mean, there are some atrocious defensive things that the LeBron has done through his career. Um, Kawhi Leonard is probably the only good offensive player, good good defensive player right now, and that takes a tremendous amount of conditioning. Um, but you want to get a scorer like. Michael Porter Jr., a transcendent scorer, you saw... Okay, let me remind people. You saw what he did Okay, in that third quarter. You saw it with your own eyes. And the hardest thing for a scorer to do is to give sacrifice their energy. Not their scoring, but it's their energy. Because defense is reactive and you spend much more energy... On defense, it is harder for a scorer to expend energy on defense because they're trained to devote that energy to offense. And it's a process that takes a while. We all know this. Now, what the Nuggets can do, as I said in the last podcast, just give it over to Jokic and they'll figure it out, right? There's enough talent on this team to figure it out. The collective anxiety is not needed at this point. Wait until you get... Like I said, you won't know a, 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 a what a basketball team is until at least two weeks into the season, right? Maybe even three. So sit back, relax, watch them figure it out, and come back to me in three weeks and if it's a steaming pile of you know what," then I'll be advocating that the nuggets make it make it change. But right now, it's just part of the process. And Porter scored 17 points in the third quarter, in spectacularly, right? But in the second quarter, he was just, just as equally as on the opposite end and as bad, right? We understand this, but we also understood the pain that was going to happen. I think if we have a better perspective and understand that the pain is going to be there regardless. We will all enjoy this year a lot more than we have already. Alrighty, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I'll be back soon with another podcast. Goodbye.